Way back in 2005, two brothers set off on a road trip that would save the world and change television. The Elvis brothers, Presley and Costello. What in the world? (laughs) For 15 seasons and 327 episodes, Supernatural took audiences on a wild ride of family, fate, and faith with a rocking soundtrack and a seriously cool car. But that was then, Bobbo, and this is now. And yes, the show has quote-unquote ended, but we're not quite done with the journey. No, we're not. And that's why we're watching it all over again, or for Rob and me, for the first time, diving deep into every episode of Supernatural with the fine folks who made it. And we're taking you along for the ride. Whether you like it or not. I'm Rob Benedict. I played Chuck Shirley, a.k.a. God. Uh, spoiler! Yeah, it is a bit of a spoiler, but hey, spoilers are fair game here. Ah, fine. And I'm Richard Spate Jr., and I played the Trickster, also known as the Archangel Gabriel. And I did a little bit of Loki work in there. Okay, you know we're running out of time. Okay, well, we'll be talking about the entire series, so whatever we say, accept it. You've been warned. So buckle up and settle in. Because this, my friend, is Supernatural, then and now. Hey, everybody, this is Rob Benedict. And this is Rob Benedict. And this is not <laughs> Rob Benedict. This is Rob Benedict, but this is... Richard Spade. There you go. This is, uh, we're talking about episode 19, season one, Supernatural, Provenance. Yeah. Provenance. That's right. All right, let's get into it. Driving down the road, Sam notices in the paper that a couple has been murdered and it matches a pattern of deaths recorded in John's journal. If Sam's reading the paper while driving, that's not safe. That's like... You know, it begs the question, who's driving? Right. Well, I guess Dean's driving. And he's go. reading. Well, then begs the question, does he get carsick? Does he get carsick? It does beg that I'm sure everyone was thinking that as they were watching. Yep. The boys head up to upstate New York to investigate. They arrive at an estate sale with the victim's items in search of potentially cursed objects. That's why I go to estate sales. Excuse me, are any of these rings haunted? <laughs> Is this tea set from hell? <laughs> well, I was just thinking like when a, you know, when a, when someone dies, that's, that's what they do. They just sort of like take everything out and sell it right away. Well, for some people it's an estate sale. For yours, it'll be more of a garage sale slash giveaway. There you go. Well, at this estate sales where they meet Sarah, who seems to really connect with Sam. Shocking. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sam ends up taking Sarah out to dinner. That old dog. Yeah, I know, right? Sidebar, this is some of the best acting I've seen Jared Padalecki do when he pretends not to know anything about wines. Giant wine snob, but uh, not Sam Winchester. Yeah, no. So at dinner, she shares the provenances, a.k.a. the ownership story, of the painting. Sam uses the info to connect the painting to the other murder victims mentioned in John's journal. The brothers break into the auction house. Oh, man. They steal the—I mean, 007 style. So they break in there. They steal the painting, and they burn it. But out, out. But the painting rematerializes and is quickly sold. The new owner soon dies, of course, and Sarah starts to realize what the boys are investigating. She's on to them, Robbie. That's right. Sam and Dean interview a local historian and learn that the father in the painting killed all of his children. Bummer. The father was buried in a separate grave away from the rest of the family who were in a mausoleum. Hashtag bad dad. Yeah, right? Hashtag bad dad. They burn the father's bones. When they go to destroy the painting, the little girl comes out to attack the three of them. Ah. Creepy girl alert. Sarah suggests that they destroy the doll in the mausoleum because it was likely made with the little girl's hair. Yeah, human remains, which I guess people often did back then. That's freaky deaky, the people back then. What's with them? Yeah, there's a lot freaky about this story. Dean gets the doll and burns it, putting the spirit to rest. 
Sam gets to share a tender moment with Sarah as they say goodbye. That seems weird. He wouldn't need to use Tinder. They were there together. Why would he immediately go to his app and start looking for girls to go out with? I think that's called Tinder. That's what you said, a tender moment. No, tender with an E. But hey, back to the story. So uh, this is it. That's it. And then they they kiss. They share a kiss. And uh, Sam kind of has a girlfriend, I guess. And uh, and they go on their merry way. And Sam Sam kisses her. And Dean's like, yeah, that's my brother. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which is also creepy. I'm not yeah. sure which is creepier. The the little girl with the human hair doll or Dean going, ah, yeah, that's my boy. Um, well, uh, so that's the episode. What did you think, Richard Spate? I thought it was really, really a good episode. I really enjoyed it. There's a lot that I, I thought the effect of the painting was super cool, like when the dad's head would turn and you know, some yeah, of the Yeah, the, the effect was good. Yeah, 2005, 2006. Good, yeah, good. a couple of things bumped for me that I, I'm okay. just going to go ahead and bring up. I know All you've right. got a list going. I got a little... This bumps for Richie list. Oh, um, look at, I love that Rob has like fun notes. Rich has bumps. Bumps for Richie. Richie bumps. <laughs> um, so I thought it was really funny when she says at dinner, and you're mildly attractive or, you know, you're, you're and something like that. And he kind of laughs in a way that says, I know I'm hot. Do you, remember, do you know what I'm talking about? He's like, mildly attractive. And I'm like, huh, that's, that doesn't seem very Sam Winchester to be like, right. she's like, you know, you're pretty cute yourself. Pretty cute. What are you, a blind woman? I'm a freaking God. <laughs> like, I, I felt like it was not a very yeah. Sam Winchester moment. Um, yeah, and, and that could be just because we've never, ever, ever had that happen to us. I've never been to dinner with a girl. So yeah, there's a lot that was new to me. I've never had dinner. <laughs> I'm starving. <laughs> Um, but that's how I, that's how I keep this sleek figure. That's why you're runway ready. Uh, the other thing I thought was weird is they're in these houses that are, you know finely appointed homes, but for some reason when the wind blows, it's like a GD paper mill. I mean, yeah. there's literally yeah. reams of paper flying around every time there's a small gust, and I'm like, where does this paper come from? It's not newspaper. It's like a, a teacher's lounge door opens up and and testing supplies come flying out. It's so much paper flying around. Did you notice that? Yeah, I assume that the the, the house belonged to an accountant. <laughs> so, yeah, it mu- something like that or paper mache factory. I don't know. It was really yeah. bizarre. I yeah. that, that was a trip. Well, I feel like I wouldn't have liked it as much if it hadn't been for Phil Segrish's directing. I feel like Phil really put a, his spin on it. I was oh. really aware. Like, I love the disco hotel room. Okay, I'm so glad you brought that up. I do not know, and neither do you, I guess, but I swear to you that was not in the script. Doesn't that feel like a Phil thing to you? It feels like a Phil all the way. If, in fact, I emailed Phil and Rich was on this email. I was like, Phil, we're watching Providence and that's so the disco room is so you. Did he respond? No, no, I haven't heard from him. In fact, it was weird. I got a <laughs> cease and desist letter. Because he responded um, to me and asked me to tell you to stop. Right. Um, no, I, I as soon as they did a whole bit, the room service thing yep. hanging and it had the, the silver yeah. fem- female form. And then they pan around the room and the disco music playing and this glory shot of the boy staring at the room. I'm yeah. like, there's no way a writer wrote that. No. And it's apropos of nothing. That's Phil going like, you know, guys, you're at a hotel room all the time. Let's make this one yeah. a disco hotel. A hundred percent. And then there's also a shot towards the beginning of the episode where they're panning down a whole bunch of cars and then you come to baby. And it's sort of just like, 
again, it's, it's a real superhero shot where it's like, uh, okay, there's our car. Like right. just to see it parked with other cars, that felt very Phil. Very Phil. And then when they break into the place, I just, it made me laugh just that they're, of course, that they know exactly how to break into a, you know, a coded door. I like the fact that they, they break into everything. They leap fences, they dodge security cameras, they're tumbling under lasers and mm-hmm. cracking code. And then mm-hmm. somehow Dean drops his wallet. <laughs> it's, it, it reminds me of when you see those, uh, you know, comedy movies where they go to, through all the security doors and inside is like a cat. You're like, ah, oh, crap. Like, it do just, you think it, he actually left his wallet or do you think he was just conning Sam to get him back there to talk to the girl? See, I feel like he's like, here, Sam, here's $20. And Sam's like, damn it. What? You conned me into coming back to this place. I didn't pick up on that. I think Dean uh, oh. just, Dean really wanted Sam to, well, he also needed Sam to connect with her because so they could keep pursuing the case. But he really wanted Sam to have that girlfriend. Well, he fooled Sam. He also fooled Rich Spate. Yeah, he did. And it was worth it because then Sam gets his big kiss. I didn't get no big kiss. I got fooled. I sat there on the sofa all by myself watching. Well, and we're bearing the lead here. We've got the lovely Taylor Cole. And she is, of course, she's the first time that Sam has started to maybe move past his girlfriend who burned on the ceiling. Yeah, to open himself up to the possibility of having affections to somebody who's not uh, a burnt corpse. That's right. That's right. And yeah. I will say, before we start talking to her, yeah. no joke, you know, you yeah. said Phil Segrisha is one of the anchors of this show. So is Taylor. She did such a great job in this episode. She Absolutely. plays in it huge and she does a great job and is part of the reason why the show is so great. So shall yeah. we? Well, before we do, I need to get a, a beard a beard rating from you. Uh, let me tell you mine. I give it a fully, fully newly groomed Phil Segrisha beard. Ooh, that's more of a goatee with sideburns. A freshly groomed Phil Segrisha goatee with sideburns. So you're going goatee and sideburns. You're going with the Segrisha because he has I'm going with the Segrisha. Yeah, he's got a pointy, sort of pointy goatee. Yeah. And he's always freshly groomed. You know what, dude? I'm going to go the same. I'm going to go the same. I'm going to go matching. I was maybe going to boost it up a little bit to the connected, uh, like Mm -hmm. just a a groomed beard, but I'm going to give it the Segrisha. So many of the things you said have kind of convinced me that Phil really elevated this. Wow. Uh, off the page. For those playing at home, this is the first time that I've actually won Rich over with something. Yeah. This is convinced first and last. Um, All right. Two Segrishas. Two Segrishas. All right. Let's get to our guest star. Taylor Cole uh, was doing some modeling work when she got an opportunity in television in the 2004 series Summerland. She was a big part of other TV series such as The Originals, CSI Miami, The Event, The Glades, and Heroes. She has also appeared in such films as 12 Rounds and April Fool's Day. Let's not waste any more time. Ladies and gentlemen, Taylor Cole. We're so excited today. We have with us the lovely and talented Miss Taylor Cole. Hello, Taylor. Taylor's here. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, we said that in unison. Wow. We're like ice dancers. Um, <laughs> Taylor, thanks so much for doing the interview. I know that, you know, we're, we're, we're taking people back through Supernatural through its whole origin. And, and that means all of us have to reflect back and look back at our past. And this is certainly uh, one from season one from The Vault. Uh, when's the last time you saw this episode? It has been a while. I watched the season finale, so that was, uh, you know, melted my heart, but maybe since it aired. Wow. Right, 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 right. Wow. Watching watching on your four by three television in your, wherever you were. (laughs) And uh, what, like, what's your, the first thing you remember about doing that, that many years ago, your first episode? 
the very first episode, it was right after I'd finished Summerland, a series that I was very fortunate to do because I was a guest star and then the TV show got picked up and they made me a series regular. So I didn't have to go through testing. I didn't have all the excitement or the nerves and all the, the scary stuff that went along with that. So there was about a year after that, that I was like, Oh, right. They think I know what I'm doing. I got to figure this (laughs) acting thing out. I don't know what to do. And, you know, testing in big rooms like that was different for me. So when I got supernatural, it was just a guest star, so I wasn't I wasn't stressed out. So that's where that's where I shine is when I don't care. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, right. yeah. 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 When I got it, I just remember being like, "Yay, okay, I'm back in the CW with friends," and I feel like it was home again. So yeah. And then being on set with those boys and the writing, and it was just such a cool character too, because I remember them saying, this is a big character, this is a big role, because it's uh, his first love interest since yeah. Yeah. she died. And, so they're yeah, either going to love that, or hate you, but um, everybody <laughs> seemed to like Sarah. So that was really, really great. I always say this, and I always will, but Supernatural fans are absolutely Bar none, the the best, just above they and really beyond, are. always loyal and just just steadfast, just really yeah, awesome. I concur. Now you got to work with Phil Sagrisha, who's one of our favorites. We love Phil. And uh Phil actually said about you, he said they all liked working around each other. The three of them are all from Texas, so that helped. She was kind of a tomboy, so that helped, and she didn't put up with any of their crap. <laughs> Uh, it's a great way to come into the show. Um, are, so you're from Texas as well? Yes, I am. I don't get to visit often because my dad's like, I'll come visit you. You know, uh-huh, wherever sure. I live, he likes to travel too. So I live yeah. in Tahoe now, so it's not too bad of a place to come visit. But oh, I go back yeah. for weddings and funerals. And I go back for the boys if they invite me. So. <laughs> and uh, so how long did it take until you all figured that out, that you were all from Texas when you were on the set? Uh, I don't know, but I think it's pretty, it's pretty quick. That yeah. Texas, that Texas yeah. bond. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. They kind of, they lead with that. Well, that's great. Yeah. Well, you can tell, you know, that you guys have a connection, you know, it's, it's all, it, it plays really easy. You and, and Sam obviously have a connection and it, it works really well. Like, you know, the energy works really, really well. Yeah, there's definitely an assertive an assertive element to your character. You know what I mean? Because she's not, I mean, as Phil said, you didn't take guff from the boys offset, but onset, the character itself was built to be somebody who was her own person and, and not susceptible to the boys' charms per se, but very much, you know, pushing back when need be and that kind of thing. How much of that, because obviously you guys had a connection, you had the Texas bond, how much of that is on the page and how much is that actress choice, if you will? I mean, they just make everything so easy. So, you know, bonding with both of them was fun and and just so natural. But the writing is really, it is on the page, you know? They make it fun. They don't take themselves too seriously. They've done it all for you. And then on top of it, you've got the boys. So it's sort of just a happy marriage of the two blending together and uh, which is probably why that's such a great show. But I mean, one of my favorite things never made it on camera, which was us getting the giggles for 10 minutes. I mean, to the point where we had to, we had to cut and just say, okay, regroup. We'll come back in 15 minutes. Like it was so bad. We just couldn't stop giggling. Was it all all three of you? Yeah. All three of us in the room when I forget the scene, but I was, we were in the hotel room and I was like, we're going to go get them or whatever it was. Uh 
every time they would get the giggles, but his shoulders were going <laughs> off camera on my take. And they were like, pull it together. I was like, it doesn't matter. I could see his shoulders bouncing up and down. <laughs> like we all have to pull it together. Like as a, <laughs> as a unit, we're not, we're going to not laugh through this. Yeah. Yeah. Just hold that thought. We're coming right back. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. And now back to the episode. That's awesome. Because it definitely is, as you say, a substantial guest star. I mean, it doesn't even feel like a guest star because she's she comes in in your sort of traditional guest star way. Right, Robbie? But then yeah. clearly the relationship you have with Sam is intense and supersedes your average, you know, person of interest in this show. And even so much as I noticed in Phil's directorial choice of when Sam leaves, they stay with you. That was a trip watching that. I'm like, that is so not a guest star mm. move. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you, you always go with number one and number two camera always goes to them, watches their emotional journey. And I think Phil, the writers, obviously in the mapping of it all, but then Phil's the director really gave equal weight to your emotional journey, which is so rare for a guest star. Did you notice that at the time? Like you were being treated equally in that capacity, it seemed to me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I hadn't done much. I'd only been on a TV show where I was, you know, one of the leads. To me, it was just normal. But yeah, looking back and you pointing it out, I didn't realize that they had sort of guest stars coming in and out, not really, you know, s- serving the storyline, but not really pushing the the boys to like an emotional arc. And, and the fact that they got to take my journey with me as well was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. really cool. And, uh, you know, they cast it really, really well. You and Sam have a lot of dialogue heavy scenes. Do you remember, did you guys work on those? Did you have to work on those offset? Um, or was it enough that you were just sort of hanging out and getting along and, and the chemistry just kind of happened? You know, sometimes there's writing that just will not stick in your brain. I mean, I was on CSI Miami and I had to say methylglycine and, I, you know, it meant plastic. And I was like, wow. can I just say plastic? You know, just, <laughs> it was just brutal. And you have these names and, you know, all, all the different things that just feel like homework. But that particular series just felt so natural. It was just easy. You know, there was a flow to it and they just knew what they were doing. And the boys made it so easy that I'm not particularly a fan of big, long uh, monologues. So the fact that you think that there was a lot of dialogue and I don't really remember struggling through it, well, (laughs) Uh they did their job well. um, Somebody did something right. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. I have a question about just about you, Taylor. How did you get your start in acting? Oh, I call myself an accidental actor because I was an athlete growing up and I was going to take a year off to model in New York and then go to college. But I... You literally are telling our life story. This is so weird. (laughs) This is exactly how Rob and I got started. (laughs) Yeah. Go go on. I mean, this is... Um, So it was runway season in New York, as you would know. Sure, Uh sure, of course. So I am too short for runway. So I went to visit my mom and my stepdad, who's an actor in LA. And, and they said, do you want to go out on auditions? And I was like, no, not at all. That sounds terrifying. And 
scary. And, um, and then I got bored enough that I was like, okay, sure. Why not? Like I didn't have any friends in LA. I was 18 or whatever. Um, so I was like, okay, let's, let's do it. So they sent me out for the head of, at the time it was, it was WB Kathleen Lattery was the head. And I just mm. went in and she gave me a scene and I took it. I read it uh, in the hallway for like two minutes. And then I went back in and I did a cold read for her and I did not care at all. I just wanted to go back to New York with my boyfriend and just the, the fact that I just didn't care meant that, you know, I was, I was able to not get hung up on all my nerves. So I went in and I did my thing and she was like, great, we'll send you out everything WB. So I went on like four auditions and I booked Summer, Summerland. Summerland, yeah. And yeah, and then the rest is history. Wow. So asking for a friend, how short is too short to be on runway? I didn't know. I'm 5'8". Okay, wow. Yeah, I think 5'9 is probably... Man, I'm not tall tall enough for runway, Rich. I I gotta be honest, I'm not not 5'9", but I've never had a hard time getting on the tarmac or boarding a plane. (laughs) So I think there's maybe I just... Different runway. Oh. Different runway. Oh. Oh, whatever. <laughs> um, so now listen, there's a creepy kid in this episode. A creepy really kid. creepy kid. Yeah. And I'm sure she was a delight, but in the makeup and everything, she is just freaky. So when you're facing off with her, was there any actual creep factor to that? Because you got this little kid who looks like a, a baby doll, a dead baby doll, dragging another dead baby doll, carrying a razor blade. I mean, did it play in the moment as bizarre? I'm trying to remember if that was all CGI. I mean, I don't really remember the little girl, so I'm not sure if it was all CGI. Was there even a little girl? I mean, it begs the question. Was any of it real? Is Supernatural a show? (laughs) (laughs) Is it really runway season? I don't know. Um, (laughs) I do remember the grandma's neck being cut. Yeah, freaky. She was real docile. I also remember sound coming over and being like, what just came out of your mouth? You have the craziest yell I've ever heard. Like my scream was (laughs) an octave that was just next level. I remember the scream. Something I learned about myself. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get knocked, you get the the character gets knocked around a little bit. Did you, do you remember doing any stunts or did you have a stunt double come in? No, I did it all. And I remember that the papers blowing around and then Mm -hmm. maybe they have it in bloopers, but one of the papers just stuck to my face. Oh, really? That's funny. Do you remember, do you remember hanging out in Vancouver, your time in Vancouver at all? Yeah. You were, you were living in LA and just, and just, you were just up Vancouver just for this show, right? Yes, I was. Yeah. And we had, you know, we'd go to lunch sometimes and Mm -hmm. the boys were just so lovely. They were really awesome. And then, you know, I came back, was it 10 years later? That's what we hear. We we're watching the show for the first time, even though we were on it. We never really watched it. We were just told, spoiler alert, that you're bad. You come back in like season eight. Oh, yeah. Are we not supposed to talk about that? No, we can talk about no, it. We can talk about it. We can Spoilers talk about it. are on board for this show. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, what I heard from the writers in that whole thing was that basically they got sick of people asking the writers to bring back characters. So they wrote that particular episode just to kill off people <laughs> so that... <laughs> So that the writers would not be Uh, bugged about them anymore. So in that one episode, I think like 10 people that just had unfinished storylines came back just to be killed. So that was pretty funny. Oh, that's sweet, (laughs) man. And now we're at the part of the interview that Rob and I had to call favorite, least favorite. You'll never guess what the questions are, but here they are. I want to know your favorite memory from shooting Supernatural this specific episode. Season one. Yeah. Season one. Season one. Favorite memory. It could be anything. It could be during a scene off camera in Vancouver, whatever. Anything in the block of time in which you shot 
Supernatural, what's your favorite memory from the experience? Ah, uh, there were so many good memories. I think getting the giggles. I mean, that was just <laughs> uncontrollable happiness coming out of all of us at once. So it was just yeah. like such a harmonious, <laughs> uncontrollable joy fest that yeah. really I'll never forget. So and somewhere there's footage of that, but we may never see it. But it's <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> all right. Now it's time for the ominous least favorite section of the program. What's your least favorite memory? Maybe the fan, the fan blowing things in your face or? No, that was hysterical. That was too fun. Um, was it kissing Jared? Was Jared a bad kisser? Yes, that was just terrible. Yeah, yeah no, I'm sure. I could have guessed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it was so awful, you can't have to stop and start over. You're like, oh, I can't. I just got to uh. uh, do it again. <laughs> um, it is so awesome to have you on the show. Part of the joy of doing this show for Rob and myself and for the fans is to visit with the essential players that came along in the show's history. And you were one of those people. It's a great episode. You're great in it. You anchor it beautifully. And so for those, for those that are fans of yours, what, uh, what do you got coming up? You're, um, I hear you're part of the Hallmark family now. Yep. They can't get rid of me. I am very happy to be with them. Actually, you know what? Supernatural has changed my life in many ways because my husband actually worked for Hallmark back in the day. He was an executive producer and he saw me on Supernatural. That's where he first saw me do anything. And so when he went to Hallmark, he told... Hallmark, why don't we bring this girl in? And then I became a part of the Hallmark family. And then we became friends and I was dating somebody else at the time. And I tried to hook him up with all my friends because he was single. Try to play matchmaker, which this all sounds like a Hallmark movie, right? It really does. Yeah, yeah. So then I finally realized that he was my match. So I started dating him and now we're married. Wow, see? Supernatural, bringing couples together. It's weird. I, I guess he must have just like missed robbing my episodes because we were, we'd be I never, right there at Hallmark yeah. too. We'd, I mean, we're a perfect <laughs> fit. Very Hallmark ready. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> listen, it's such a treat to have you. People, follow her work on Hallmark. She's going to be doing a bunch of Hallmark work. You'll be back on the show when uh, your next episode comes around, which will be, you know, in a little bit of time. Because yeah, Rich, Rich and I will be 80, but um, yeah. <laughs> Nonetheless. No, um, it's great to talk to you. And, you know, I, th I think it's, uh, like you said, it's it's every episode we see from season one is sort of an iconic episode. And, you know, to see sort of Sam with his first love interest, I think is really special. And uh, and Phil Segresha. I mean, you got, you got one of the best directors, you know. Yes, I did. I was very lucky. I also just really quickly want to know, because we've been talking about me this whole time, I just want to yeah. know about you. Rich and Rob, do you guys sit on the couch together and get popcorn and watch this? Like, what what is the... Duh. Yeah, I like Rich. Uh, Rich is a flower guy. So I bring in flowers. Uh, that's how it starts. That's how the evening starts. And Rob's a fetish guy. So I wear leather, <laughs> um, you know, to tomato to dirty. Um, so, you know, we have not been doing it at the same time, which, you know, we should be, we should but be. We're, we've been doing it in our separate uh, lives. And this is a little trivia about season one. The season one, if unless you watch the DVDs, you're not watching the original music because they didn't make a digital contract for the songs uh, in season one. So that we're watching it and, you know, it'll be Dean saying, hey, listen to this Blue Oyster Cult track. And it'll be some boys some choir. Dude, guitar, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, so it's a little trippy because we're hearing it. We're not even getting to see the the original sort of fully baked uh, show, but uh, 
But we're getting to see, you know, a, a, the three quarter baked. Uh, yeah. and, and usually Rob is fully baked. So it, it makes up for the. That helps. Um, you're watching them one episode at a time. One at a time. Yeah. We kind of watch it and then report back and do an episode. Like I just um, watched, I watched this one today. So like it's fresh, you know, I'm yeah. on it. That's it's almost un- unfair to you because we're like, so what in that one scene? What were you thinking? You're like, it was 15 years ago. I have no idea. <laughs> Get a hobby, bro. Um, this is our hobby. Uh, no, it, it, it is. It's. It is an interesting thing to go back and watch that far. I mean, because the show is on forever, right? So you're going back to, and there's nothing that really dates the show. I mean, occasionally a cell phone or something. You're like, uh, but because they drive a period car and they're in small town America, and those dudes have a pact with Satan, so they don't really age. You don't really see any dramatic leap forward in time, you know what I mean? Or leap backwards in time. Yourself Yeah, the big, really the, the biggest thing is like they have weird small cell phones and like Sam was taking a picture of something with that phone. I'm like, wow, that's a bad picture. That's going to be bad, you know, because it's, it's that old flip like phone. Qualities. Yeah. Well, I, I was watching that episode with my son, Frank, who's 10, and he didn't know what that was. Wow. Un- unfolding a thing. It looks like, like a walkie-talkie we're, or something. We're old. Yeah, yeah. we're old. Anyway, it is, uh, we're, we're enjoying our journey, and yours was a lovely uh, stop along the way. Truly, great job. Thank you so much. You're going you're gonna to make it in this business, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Taylor. Taylor, thank you so much. All right, enjoy the rest of the seasons. Thank you. Thank you. See you in a few. Yeah, you yeah, will. Yeah, see you in a few. All right, hey. bye, guys. Hey, there's Jensen. I hope you're enjoying the episode, uh, but we need to pull over for a second for some messages, and I got to take a leak. Hey there, thanks for listening. Now, back to the episode. Such a lovely human being, that Taylor Cole. Smart as a whip, uh, very talented, uh, and did her own stunts. Did her own stunts, and uh, hey, in my book, she's uh, runway ready. You know what one of those stunts is? Kissing Jared. (laughs) He's so tall, (laughs) you you take your life in your hands. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, she probably had to stand on a small ladder. Um, (laughs) But she... uh, She's great, and obviously fans really liked her a lot because they requested that she come back, and it turns out she does at some point, so Very I can't excited. wait to see that. Yeah, I yeah. can't wait to see it. Well, uh, let's get into the mythology. Mythology. There are a number of stories about supposedly haunted paintings in the real world. Like The Crying Boy by Bruno Amadio. That painting is blamed for countless house fires. The mm. artist made several prints and distributed them like a mm-hmm. jerk. Over mm-hmm. the years, the painting was found untouched in many burned-down homes. A story began to develop that the painting is of an orphan whose parents burned alive in a house fire, and he curses every home he's taken in. Some reports say owners have tried to set fire to the painting, only to discover it wouldn't burn. So if you Jesus. own that painting, what you have to do is convince the painting that you don't live in the house. It's not your home. Right. Just go like, oh, oh we're going to hang the painting in this place we don't live in. We're just visiting. Or you could just burn yourself. Beat the painting to the punch? Yeah. Uh, also, there's the painting, The Anguished Man. Well, right there un- in the title, like, you're yeah. not, that's not going to be a birthday present. Like, oh, I'm going to laugh myself to sleep with this painting I got, The Anguished yeah. Man. Yeah. By, get this, an unknown artist. Well, would what you co- claim it? What a coward. The disturbed artist used his blood and mixed it with the paint to create the image and then committed suicide soon after completing it. What? No urine? <laughs> <laughs> That's your question? I'm just saying, if you're going to use all the fluids, what, what do you do for yellow? You know, when you're painting. That's a great, great point. Uh, 
Uh, owners of this painting have claimed to hear crying and whispering at night, as well as seeing a shadowy figure. Ooh. You know, my question is not about the artist or the painting. Dopes who actually have this painting and report all these things. How about get rid of the painting? Yeah. For years, I, I got this painting was following me around the kitchen. Well, get rid of the painting. That's what I would yeah. do. Yeah. Nitwit. Then, of course, there's the dead mother. <laughs> I'm laughing already. By, I think it's Edward Munch. Edward Munch. He did the scream famously. That's right. That's right. Uh, but the dead mother is a picture of a young child standing next to, you guessed it, her dead mother who lies on her deathbed. People who have viewed the picture claim the eyes of the child follow you. And if you stand near the painting, you can hear the rustling of the dead mother's sheets. You know what? I, again, Edward, when you're sitting around trying to think of what painting can I paint that will just fly off the shelf? Yeah. <laughs> if, make me a few bucks in the off season. This is not the design, you know what I mean? But hey, yeah. what do I, I, I call this one. I call this one a few days to live. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a the crying boy one. The first one you mentioned is really uh, a little freaky. Like, is that real? Is that true? I mean, I I watched this episode and I went like, well, there's no way this happens. Turns out maybe it does. Yeah, who's to say? Other pieces of pop culture featured haunted paintings, including the 2020 film Velvet Buzzsaw. Featuring Didn't see Jake, it. Well, Jake Gyllenhaal's in it, and he's. Uh, he basically has a velvet buzzsaw. I, haven't, I didn't see it. <laughs> so much more cozy than the uh, other buzzsaws that are made of, I don't know, metal. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I don't want to give me a velvet buzzsaw. There's Stephen King's The Road Virus Heads North. Oh, Not a, good news yeah. for the people in the South. <laughs> and of course, the changing paintings in Disney's Haunted Mansion. Not scary, but funny. Yeah. And now it's time for the part of the program we like to call Fun Facts. Fun Facts, Fun Facts. I'm laughing already. When Sam and Dean arrive at the auction, there is a Bentley with the New York license plate, The Crip. That is, if you break it apart, two words, Vec and Rip. No, it was actually The Crip. What? As in Eric Kripke. Oh. In the original broadcast, when looking at the painting together, Dean calls Sam Jared instead of Sam. Everyone on the show missed it, and it made it on air. And wow, really? Somebody in Post Sound got fired. Oh, man. That was Johnny's last day. Ooh. That's crazy. And what's also funny about that is this that's a very season one mistake. I mean, you know, they hadn't been calling themselves Sam and Dean for very long. Ever. Sammy. Ever. Jared. Dean. Wow. This is interesting. Some fans say that the chalk line in the chair from the old lady's death has Darth Vader in it. Complete with lightsaber. Director Phil Segrisha does not agree that there's a Star Wars reference here. I'm going to go with Phil because if I don't, he'll get mad at me. But I'll well, also I'll... say this. If you died in a chair, would they put flipping tape around it? I, I feel like you'd so. outline it when you're dead on the ground. But do you outline a body if they die sitting up straight in a chair? I saw it's that good. and it kind of made me chuckle. I'm like, I don't think the cops do that. Yeah. That yeah, no it's, sense. It's kind Wouldn't of a hat it just be hat. like they died? Where they die in that chair? Yes, yeah. but where in the chair? Exactly. Oh well, we put tape around it to really <laughs> nail yeah. that part down. It's kind of a hat on a hat. <laughs> yeah, we get it. <laughs> it's like they died in the tub. Well, we better outline the body where it was in the tub. Anyway, <laughs> well, what a great uh, another great episode. Uh, it's a Phil Segrisha classic. Sam uh, gets to kiss a lady. Yeah. And another creepy kid. Another creepy What's kid. What's not to love? Our creepy kid count for this episode is at one. You know, a lot of fans want us to keep the creepy kid count going where we keep a, a, like a total. A total tally. One. So maybe as we get to the end of season one, we can total up all the creepy kids in season one. Let's do that. And that'll be a thing, right? 
Let's um, do that so I'm just and see if we can there. beat it. See, see if we can beat it in subsequent seasons. Then we'll know by the end of 15 seasons, which season had the most creepy kids. That's right. And so I will tell you this, Rob, you did a nice job uh, with your Taylor interview. Thank you. You, yeah, you, I, I, you, I could tell I you nervous. were shaking and nervous, but I was nervous. You didn't seem to spit on yourself too much or, you know, do anything too damaging during the interview that couldn't be cut out. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I hope that's true. I can only just hope that's true. Uh, no, she was great, and uh, it's great to have her on. <laughs> Listen, I'm so uh, thankful to everyone who uh, takes a minute and listens to our podcast. That's so funny, because I was going to say the same thing, Robbie, only more sincerely. I want to thank everybody who listens to our podcast. Oh, boy. You just did it better. Well, uh, I'd like to thank, in addition, Supernatural Wiki, uh, Supernatural Fandom, and the Supernatural Official Companion Books written by Nicholas Knight. It's where the podcast gets many of its fun bits and details. I also want to say that if you love the podcast, do yourselves a favor. Do us a favor. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Heck, stop strangers on the street and tell them. And follow. Now, a lot of people get confused when I say subscribe. They think that means you got to pay some money. In podcast land, it doesn't. But not everybody knows that. So when I say subscribe, what I really mean is follow. Or subscribe, if you know what that means. But if you don't, follow. Either way, it's free. Well, thanks, everybody. This episode stars Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester and Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester. Taylor Cole guest starred as Sarah Blake. Co-stars included Keith Martin Gordy as Daniel Blake, Jordel Micah Furland as Melanie Merchant, the creepy little girl, and Lyndon Banks as Isaiah Merchant. Providence was written by David Ehrman, directed by our man, Phil Segrisha. Editing by Anthony Pinker, music by Christopher Leonards. Executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. The episode originally aired on April 13th, 2006. This episode of Supernatural Then and Now was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spate Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hine. Written by Stephen Hine and Haida Holscher. And edited and associate produced by Trey Boudet. What's up, Boudet? Music provided by Tim Wynn. The episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. For news on this and other podcasts, follow Story Mill Media on Instagram and Twitter. The brothers break into the auction house. Oh, they man. They steal the, I mean, 007 style. Bum, bum, who knows? Ba-da, bum, bum, sure. <laughs> and uh, everyone recognizes that that, of course, is the 007 theme song. Uh, the auction house was a two-story furniture store that they redressed. Oh, that's not interesting in the slightest. Remind me um, what the opening scene was. What, what, what I would, can't remember. What? I just have written down lots of ADR. Maybe we need to do ADR for this this podcast. Because- we, are, we are. This whole podcast is an ADR session. <laughs> So sorry, sorry. JC, these are my coworkers. That's Steve. <laughs> that's JC. I'm um, Rob. That's Rob. Hey, uh, can I finish the podcast and yeah, give yeah, you your sorry. office back? It actually did look like a TV Sounds like a story. thing that you do for TV. Yeah. The actors wore makeup to prevent the lights from washing out their skin tones. Ah. My favorite part was when you were like, oh, you're in Tahoe. I'm, I'm, I'm only a couple of cities away making a movie. Maybe and then just grab coffee. Silence. Just dead, just dead air. Joking aside, um, she's an inch and a half taller than me, so it would never work. You just Let's, described most of America. <laughs> Let's go ahead and cut all that out. Story Mill Media. 